Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. This week's episode is something a little different, a military couple. Spouse Courtney came on the podcast a few months back to talk about first postings, moving and managing her chronic illness, navigating defence life, knowing her military member's job will take him away a lot, and her decision to move to be closer to family and friend supports while her husband is deployed. Courtney's husband Jay has just returned from his six-month deployment and they have transitioned back to living together after being MW. So I caught up with them to chat about defence life, how they nurture their relationship and the recent deployment. Just a trigger warning, today's episode contains discussion of miscarriage. If anything comes up for you and you would like to access support, you can call SANS on 1300 072 637 or open arms on 1800 011 046, 24 hours, 7 days a week. Welcome, Courtney and Jay, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I guess this is something a little bit different. We haven't had a military couple on before together. So, well, aside from my husband and I. So thank you for coming on and talking together on a podcast episode. If we can start off by asking you, Jay, when you first met Courtney or even before you met Courtney, did you have any reservations about how a relationship would work when your job takes you away a fair bit? Not really, no. I kind of went into it pretty naively. I was very young. I was 18 when I did it and I hadn't spoken to people in the Navy about the relationship side of things. It was only when I joined and I started meeting a lot of people that were divorced or had children at home, sending them emails of their first birthday that they were missing that I realised how much of a significant toll it would have on families. Did you have any reservations about what type of person I guess it would take to be in a relationship with someone in defence? I definitely knew from the start the person I ended up with would have to be someone that was very independent and well organized and quite mature and capable of looking after themselves I think at the end of the day no matter how much people love each other there's a certain point in a, a military couple that the person staying at home needs to have a bit of independence and a bit of an ability to look after themselves and be happy with you always so did you put much consideration into what it would take from you and from Courtney to have a relationship that worked for both of you and allowed you to both succeed and, and be happy in what you were doing only once we first went away to be honest when we first started dating it was a bit euphoric like most couples you go through the phases of the incredible in love feeling like nothing bad could go wrong and then it was only when I went away that we realized we'd have to come up with some strategies in place to deal with it communicate a bit more and so Courtney can you talk to us about how you both were on the same page in coming up with strategies because in order to go forward and ultimately have a great relationship that stood the test of time if you both wanted to be together long term what did you both discuss at that point we were only dating for about two weeks I think before he had his first posting up to Darwin for six months and I stayed in Sydney and it was 
kind of a, this is either going to work or it's not going to work. And we just said, well, what have we got to lose trying to make it work? And we found from day dot communication was key with absolutely everything. Being on the same page, you had limited time to actually communicate. So what you did do needed to be important and concise and accurate and meaningful. And from then on, we just saw that this lifestyle could work for us and it could work really well but it did need to be worked on like continuously so we invested a lot of time in each other and I say research in a way reading articles learning about things learning about relationships and communication and how to make this kind of lifestyle work but it came from both of us and and not just one-sided so I think that's what's really made it work. Jay I guess from your point of view what did it take from your end to be able to keep on the same page with that open communication because obviously you know sometimes you don't have communication available you aren't able to do the usual things that couples would do because of distance and and all of that so what in your mind did you put in place to be able to keep what you discussed on the table and keep that communication happening from your end and keep Courtney feeling like you were in it just as much as she was? I had to commit very early on to the smallest routine things like no matter what was going on or how busy I was I would email one a day and that was the minimum and for something that may seem so strange it developed this pattern of behavior of constant communication regardless of what was going on and that led to phone calls if I could get phone reception and then traveling to see each other when I could so there's always that constant effort to be connected because I think when most mates I've had in similar positions they've gone to emailing once a week or not emailing at all and very quickly the relationship deteriorates I think you need to be in communication as much as you can but also have a lot of faith and trust in the person that is at home in that it will be okay if you can't talk for a few weeks because I have a lot of reassurance from Courtney that it was going to be okay very on. So I think that helped me out. I guess you had both initially committed to putting in that extra effort because, you know, you can be in love as much as you want, but sometimes love isn't enough to get you through when, you know, you're going to have breakdowns of communication, you're going to have separation and all that comes with defence life. Yeah, I definitely agree. Especially on the whole, the love isn't enough to get you through the the separation aspect of it. I think that's enough initially and if it's a very short-term thing, but eventually the reality sets in that traveling is the norm for your job and you have to find another way to deal with it. Especially since going away is going to be the norm for the job that you have within the Navy. It wasn't like, oh, we'll just have to get one through one deployment and I won't go to sea again for six years or whatever the case may be. It's going to be continuous. So you had to put things in place that long-term would allow you to succeed in the relationship absolutely it's a different game if you're in a position where you might go away for six months and that's it because then it's similar to a a long distance relationship where it's something temporary that you know there's a reprieve at the end there's a it's a hurdle that you're jumping and then after that you have a huge amount of time together so Courtney also has medical considerations that need to be managed what is it that you need in order to feel okay about going away and being separated and living long distance as her condition deteriorated and she became a lot more reliant on me or other people to care for her. I needed to be able to understand what was going on. So if I had to phone into a medical appointment or something she was attending, by doing that, 
it gave me an understanding of what was going on and how she was feeling while I was away. But eventually it got to the point where before I deployed, we had to move back to Sydney for Courtney to be near family. So I could go away knowing that there was a support network for her at home. And so Jay has just returned after being away for six months. Can you talk to us about how that time has been for you, Courtney? Yeah, it's been definitely new. He's been away a lot throughout our relationship. So that part's not new to me, but this was a consistent six-month deployment to the Middle East that I was not going to see him in between and I wasn't going to see him for six months and we all thought it was going to be one thing and we all know this year has turned into a whole nother 2020 than we thought it was going to be so it started off incredibly well and also incredibly badly and then throughout the year it slowly got progressively worse with the situation that was going on in Australia the situation that the ship became into and how reliant we became on each other I think subconsciously I don't think it was quite apparent to us until Jay came home the amount of not necessarily direct stress but just how reliant we became on communication with each other due to the ship having wi-fi now and I think that's a, definitely a double-edged sword so it was a deployment that I don't think anyone will ever experience again that's for sure. You probably both went into it with the kind of a picture in your mind about okay well this is what we can put in place to cope with this and you know we've done this bit before but it'll just be longer so we'll have to to just focus on these things that we did last time we were separated and yeah keep the communication up and all that sort of thing the entire time jay has previously been away there's been no wi-fi on the ship so the only communication that we have had has been over emails and we have an understanding that if jay has the time he will email me once a day and i will email him once back and there's no extra emails going out you wait for the person to respond to you so that they don't get overwhelmed and that worked for us that it kind of created a barrier so you didn't get too invested in relying on them or relying on hearing from them to get throughout your day and then going into this deployment we had all of those tough nasty important conversations that you need to have before a deployment about really unfortunate circumstances if they were to happen like a death wills power of attorneys all those sorts of things and then the ship got wi-fi for the first time ever for this deployment and not only were we experiencing a six-month deployment for the first time together we were also experiencing wi-fi on a ship which was full-on to say the least it was constant and i think there wasn't a lot of knowledge or learning put in place for people on how to use it well in that um, you got given access to the Wi-Fi, we could talk to each other all the time, anytime, whenever we wanted, but too much communication can be a bad thing. When you start sending messages saying, hi, hi, how are you? How are you? And that goes on throughout the day. It's just this never ending small talk throughout the day. And you feel like you've not actually had any meaningful conversations between each other. Whereas when we had just the emails, we sat down for half an hour and would write out an email about our day, what's going on. And then that was something for the other person to look forward to. And I think as good as it was to be able to talk to him pretty much whenever I needed, or even FaceTime when the Wi-Fi was good enough, it almost became a bit too much. 
And then of course, when the Wi-Fi does get turned off, when there's no comms, you've then set yourself up for failure because you were used to having that constant contact as opposed to when you were used to the one email a day or whatever the communication was previously. And then you're sort of wondering, okay, why haven't I heard from him today? Or, you know, what's going on? Like, especially I guess when you're coming into, maybe if you're a younger spouse and that was your first deployment and then you're getting set up with the standard of having that Wi-Fi access, you don't know any different. I started to get really reliant on it too much to the point where I said to Jade, like, this is enough. This is, this is going too far. We need to learn to limit ourselves somehow. Otherwise I'm going to be sitting at work on my phone, waiting for a message from you. And you're going to worry that I'm going to get annoyed that you're not responding. And that's not healthy for either of us. So we just limited it to one phone call a week on the weekend where it wouldn't affect my work. And it would be hopefully not affecting his work on the weekend. They don't really have weekends. So Jay, can you talk to us about how that deployment was for you and from your perspective? It was interesting. It's pre-COVID. It was fantastic. I mean, it was the trip I'd been working towards for a long time. We got to go to some very nice places and we got to do something that was meaningful. The actual operation and job we did was fantastic. But I think like everything in the world, COVID hit us and we spent a pretty long time in isolation. So we ended up spending 119 days without getting off the ship. We could go alongside and sleep as much as you wanted, but eventually, it became a bit of a a mental health challenge to try and stay healthy and happy waking up next to the same people for so long and I had done similar length trips in the past where every couple of weeks you're going to a new place and you can get the x many days off with a hotel or go out and get a meal and it's amazing the effect that getting to go out and interact in the real world has on morale so it was a bit of a weird one where we got to do a job that was very important and very satisfying with a team that was worked well together but at the same time there were a lot of challenges on the mental health side of things and i struggled a lot with it kind of after the two month mark but as we got closer to coming home everyone's spirits kind of lifted up a bit i guess it's a huge mental game as well but so did you do anything extra on the ship to counteract the mental health effects that having to stay on the ship and not having that break in the different ports had? We definitely did. We had a PT six times a day and whenever we pulled into the port because we're at an American Navy base essentially the guys that were working there the Australians would do things like every night they would bring over 200 pizzas the next night they would bring over 200 cheeseburgers and the day after that there'd be an inflatable basketball ring on the flight deck so there were things like that in place and there were things happening we had uh, a chaplain and a doctor we ended up having mental health people back at home Skyping people on the ship as they needed but eventually it just got to a a point where the only solution was to go home and it pretty well tied in with when we actually did get to go home. How did that all work with coming back and I guess transitioning back into normal life? Did you get the homecoming? Like what happened? Homecoming was a a bit interesting. So we had people on the wharf, I think in Perth at the time, they're allowed to have 100 people at X many spaces. So there was a lot of to and fro with who couldn't and who can't bring families. And there was a lot of stress for people around that side of things. They worked it so that when we arrived, there were people on the wall and then those people left and there was essentially like a, a school drop-off and pickup system where people would drive through and people would get in the car and but we were pretty lucky because by then the restrictions had lifted on the amount of people we could have and we didn't have to isolate because our trip home was more than two weeks so that was our isolation period but it just meant that the first time we walked into a COVID world was when everyone got in the cars and went home with their families and stood in lines and experienced what social distancing was for the first time that was a bit of a shock going to 
to a world that wasn't what we left. Yeah, for sure. Because you're, you know, you're on the ship and that's a whole nother world as well while you're, while you're on there and away. And then you come back and you kind of expect to come back to normal life. And it's a whole different way of living at the moment. It honestly feels like the whole country is shut down. It feels like kind of not quite post-apocalyptic because there are a lot of normalities going on, but little things like, oh, we'll wake up on a weekend and I'll just want to go to brunch with Courtney because that's something we've always done on a weekend. You just go and get breakfast and Courtney would be like, you know, it's probably not a good idea. We can do it, but it's probably not a good idea because COVID and you're like, wow, this is a, this is a thing. In a few months, once I'm fully recovered and I'm a normal human and I know how to make toast properly again, I'll look back on it as something that was definitely worth it. I think a lot of people will think that because you do get a lot of value and self-worth out of a real operation, but I think it might just take a lot of people time to realize that. What happened when you came back? Did you have um, a little bit of time off and then were you back to work? Like how did that work? I had a month off work actually. I got very lucky. So I only went back to work today. So how's that been? (laughs) It was was great. It was, I think honestly, I spent the, the first two weeks kind of waking up for a dream. And then around the third week, I started to feel a bit more normal. But I spent a lot of time at home, to be honest. It was amazing. We like visited family and small amount of friends, but most of the time it's just been spent at home like everyone else in the world. But there's now six months of Netflix movies that I get to catch up on, six months of podcasts. So in your mind, if there did come a time where Defence Life wasn't working for you and Courtney and, you know, your relationship, what would happen or what kind of discussion would need to take place when it wasn't working and and how would you sort of go forward from there? It's a bit of a a challenging one. I remember being 20 and we do a career interview and everyone kind of around that age, they select career as the most important thing in their life. And the advisor person turns around back to you and they're like, that's great. But in like five years, that's probably going to want to change because you'll have a family. And now that I'm going down that journey, I understand that and I can see why people decide to take two, four year sure jobs, why people decide to get out after a certain amount of time. And I think the reality is that for a lot of people, it gets to the point where it's either going to work for you in the Navy or it's not. And I think if it got to that point for me, I would take a a two year sure gig. So I would essentially just try to rock up to an office every day from nine to five and play that out, see how that goes with family. And then if I really did want to get out, I'd be able to get out after two years of preparing to transition to CV life. Same time, I'm also studying uni. So if I did leave, there would be options because I'm, I used to be a bit ignorant and think that I could do it my whole life and Courtney would support me the whole way. But there definitely does come a point for a lot of people where they have to get out or take different roles, like take sure jobs near where your family is and put family and location before career occasionally. I guess you've both discussed that and and you've obviously seen that, yes, you love the Navy and you love doing it and Courtney is supportive of it. But if it did come to a time where it wasn't working for you and your family, that you you are putting sort of things in place so that if you wanted to, you could transition out. Absolutely. I think my worst fear is ending up someone that has to stay in because they're weighed down by the golden handcuffs and they can't make a lot of money on the outside world. And then they end up in a a self-deprecating cycle. I think people need to be aware that they need an exit strategy in case. For me, if it got to the point where I had to decide between a happy career and a happy family, I would ultimately choose a happy family because there's no point going away and going to sea and trying to attempt greater things if your home life isn't happy and supportive. 
Let's talk about the adjusting to living together again. Courtney, can you tell us how it went with Jay coming home? Obviously, you're always excited when your partner comes back from a deployment and from being gone for a fair while. You had a month together. So how has it been going and, and how did it initially go? Like you have the honeymoon period, obviously, and then, you know, the reality sets in and you're both in each other's space. Overall, it's been pretty good. Jay spent some time on a previous deployment away. And when he came home, I took two weeks off work initially and it didn't end very well at all. It was all too much for the both of us, me being there 24-7, him being there 24-7. So we kind of learnt from that and we did things a little bit differently this time, keeping an open mind to be like, if we need to change things, we can change things. So I only took two days off work actually after he came home on a Monday night. I had Tuesday, Wednesday off and I went straight back to work on Thursday and Friday and it actually it worked really well it was very stressful having him around 24 7 because we had both learned to live a life separately but together at like you know an arm's distance apart from each other to then someone being in my bed someone being in my house someone doing things differently it's taken a lot of time and patience to realize it's hard on both of us and we both want to be there with each other, but we both need to acknowledge we can have time apart and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong just because we don't want to be with each other 24 seven. And as long as things get done, it doesn't matter how they get done as frustrating as that may be for someone. I mean, sometimes it's just knowing that that person is there. It's not necessarily that you want to spend every minute with them. It's just that you want to know that they are there and, you know, available and able to talk face-to-face sort of thing when you are both wanting to spend time together as opposed to I want him to come home so I can spend every minute with him because especially since you know you guys are used to living separately as well. Biggest thing yeah I think was exactly that that we were able to be there for each other because the past six months we weren't we were able to be there but we weren't able to be there right then and there when we needed each other. If I was having a hard day I couldn't just message him and be like I need you to call right now that wasn't going to happen and with him coming home we did spend a lot of time of me sitting on youtube in our bedroom and him sitting on xbox in the lounge room but if we needed each other they were right there just that comfort of him being home Hey, Military Wife Life community. I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. I mean, it sounds like you guys have taken away the expectation of what a perfect defense couple should be or what the perfect reunion should be, what the perfect wife that stays back and the husband that goes away and gets deployed should be. Like you've kind of come together and created your own rules and created your own way of doing things as opposed to living to some sort of other people's expectations of what you should be doing. We've just learned to be really flexible and acknowledge that we both have some really 
three really positive things about us and we both have some negative things about us. And if we put all of those positive things together, we can have a really, really great relationship. But if you don't acknowledge those negatives, they're just going to keep creeping up on you and you need to deal with them at some point. And yeah, we both acknowledge that sometimes we just don't want to see each other and that is okay. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with our relationship, but then also being incredibly flexible in this lifestyle. That's, that's just what it is. And yeah, we've just learned to love it as hectic as it is. What about for you, Jay? How has it been readjusting to, you've already mentioned that it was a whole nother world coming off the ship and getting used to COVID restrictions and all of that. How was it coming back into the same space as Courtney and transitioning back to living together? It was very interesting. There was definitely a couple of days there where it was very honeymoon period it was euphoric like I wanted nothing more than to be around Courtney and to like touch her hug her make her a coffee drink coffee but then after that and she went back to work and the reality very quickly hit me that like life will have to go on we can't just be home together every day like at some point it'll need to need to continue and readjust I think that was a that was a pretty big shock you know it's kind of like okay well you know there was wasn't the fanfare of coming home and having the homecoming and then you come back and Courtney's home for a couple of days and you have those great couple of days together and then she goes off to work and you're you're left at home sort of thing the farewell and the people being there when you arrive back on the wharf is incredibly important not so much for the person on the ship because I think the person that's on the ship they've mentally outchopped a few days ago their head is very much focused on where they're about to go the dangerous thing they're about to do but I think it has incredible value for families and I've realized that with Courtney and the way she's spoken about it, that being able to see the ship leave and then pull in is such incredible closure for people's families and children to see that and have that visual of daddy's like going away now, we'll wave goodbye to the ship and then daddy's coming back. So we'll make him a sign type thing. I think that's incredibly important for families definitely see why missing out on that would have been stressful for a lot of people yeah because it's kind of like the big reward of the time that you spent apart and you get to have that moment i don't know what it's like for people in the army when they meet their partners at the gate at the airport i'm guessing it's something similar you can film and hold on to for a long time we all see it in Hollywood movies that like the dad comes home and sees the dog for the first time. And I think it's important for people to be able to see that. And do you think it's important for the defense member to give it to the partner or the girlfriend, the wife, the husband, the boyfriend, whoever it is, the kids important for them to let them have that? Because sometimes the defense member might not see the importance in it and sort of just like, you know, brush it off as don't worry, you don't need to do this or go to that effort or whatever, but it, it really is about giving the family and the the partner that moment i definitely think so i've been in a situation before and i've seen it with a lot of friends that say things like nah it's all right mate just i'll get a taxi just drop me off at the ship like i'll wave goodbye to my parents the night before type thing and you always like see them when we're about to leave in that car oh, god damn it my parents rocked up anyway i think it's hard to realize that it's not quite for you and that it's for the other people i don't think the person going away needs closure because their their mind is very busy they're ready for stuff yeah they just want it to happen and i guess from the the yeah. point of view from the family point of view and the partner i know in the past i've just been like 
I really just do want it to just hurry up and happen. You you want to have that goodbye moment, but you also just want it to hurry up and happen so you can start counting down the days to when they'll come back sort of thing. Absolutely. I know for like the month leading up to the trip, I would have been happy if we left a month early type thing. The anticipation was terrible. So what is it that you both miss about each other the most when you're apart from each other or when you're deployed? I think definitely another person's physical company. So on a ship, it's pretty cramped. I'm guessing for other people get deployed is as well. You wake, you wake up two meters from another person. That guy might high five you, hug you if you're sad, but it's not the same being around someone that you're intimate with. It's not the same level of comfort and happiness being around that person because you can substitute everything else you can substitute gifts you can skype because every ship's got wi-fi and but i definitely think that that being there next to someone is very big for me yeah the, the physical aspect of it and not necessarily big things but a huge thing for me was all of the time last year when jay was home we had a routine of what we did we shared all the chores he would take the bins out and every morning without fail he would make me a cup of coffee before i would go to work and I went back to work this year after he had left and I had to make my own cup of coffee and I had to empty the bin myself and I didn't like those things I didn't like having to do all of those things myself not necessarily that I you know didn't want to empty the bin or I didn't want to make my own coffee but it was those small gestures that someone wanted to do for me and those things are what you you miss the most yeah and everyone's like oh surely you miss being able to go out to the movies with him or do this or go and see family with him and I'm like yes I miss all of those things but the little things are huge and those little things make the biggest difference on some really really tough days would you say that you guys have gotten used to being a defense couple or you know is it something that's always going to be a work in progress how do you guys see it I think overall yes I think we've pretty pretty much got the hang of it but I think what people need to remember is you don't just get it one day and it works it's an ongoing thing to work at we do have a pretty good understanding of how each other feels in certain situations. We make sure we communicate our expectations of what's going on. We talk about what his career is going to do, what we're going to do, what our plans are as a couple, what our plans are individually. And you just have to make this ongoing commitment to keep working at it. It does get easier in a sense that we have prior experience from other trips and we definitely talk a lot to friends or external services to make sure that we're always on top and we're always working on things instead of getting bogged down, things getting bad or get things getting stressful and then just not knowing what to do from there. We just, yeah, we, we acknowledge that it's not an easy lifestyle, but um, you just have to keep working on it to make it work. I think Courtney's right, but I also think you can't afford for it to not work. People in the military have jobs where they can't afford the distraction or the emotional complications of issues at home. And I think you very quickly need to sort out your new relationship. And if it's not going to work, it's not going to work because at the end of the day, if you're prepared to go away and do something much greater, then what's at home will be a great motivator for you to do that. And if what's at home isn't going so great, it has this huge compounding effect on your focus and your motivation, your ability to do your job, even for the people that say they're the hardest people, what have you. 
that definitely has a huge effect on how you are mentally, which is fine if you're coming home every day and you can come home and you can finish that argument or you can come home the next day with flowers. But I don't think you can afford to not have a functioning relationship going to sea and getting deployed. I think it's something you need to work on very early, get it right very early on and then not accept it not working type thing, like refuse to go away without sorting an argument because if it festers, it has a compounding effect on your work life. It could be something that you're happy to do because you have a supportive family that motivates you to go out and protect the country and do patriotic things. The people that maybe don't um, have those foundations and, and haven't had those hard conversations sometimes comes down to the fact that it does take more work and you do need to put more effort in and you need to have that open communication early on in a relationship when sometimes you know you don't know each other that well but putting in that effort and building those foundations from the start is only going to serve you both in the long term and then also on the flip side if it isn't working and you're about to go away or whatever the case may be being realistic with each other about when to not go forward with the relationship definitely i think i've seen it in a lot of friends that they're very hard conversations to have and it puts you in an emotionally compromised position when it doesn't work and i think for that reason it definitely takes a lot of maturity to have a functioning relationship in the military and i think as sad as it might be that most of the time relationships in military couples really only start to tend to work out once the serving member's been in for a while and they're very experienced with how it feels to go away and come home and they know how to process those emotions so they have more of a capacity to help a partner. Courtney, when Jay left at the time, you had some unexpected news. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So we, before Jay left, just, we got married in October last year. We decided we wanted to start trying for children. And with my extensive fertility issues with endometriosis and adenomyosis, the specialist gave us three months to try. Normally, a couple would have 12 months to try naturally before they would get fertility assistance. We had three months to try, which worked out to be pretty much dead on the day he was leaving. So when we moved to Sydney, I think it was about a week before Christmas, we booked into a fertility specialist. We booked into a fertility clinic and we got all of the donations and things sorted, all of the paperwork, all the authorizations done literally the day before Christmas and signed all the paperwork. Jay flew back to Perth so that I could start IUI during his deployment. Our goal for that was that to get pregnant and be pregnant throughout the deployment because we decided that we wanted his time home to be spent preferably with a newborn baby rather than just me being pregnant that's what we wanted to do pending you know you can't plan these sorts of things to the t as much as we would like and he deployed on a monday and almost two weeks later it was 12 days later i found out i was naturally had gotten pregnant and I didn't even know how it happened. We're 99% sure it was conceived the day he left due to my, my charts. A few hours later, unfortunately, I started miscarrying. So it was short-lived and incredibly confusing, but waited until the next day and the following day after that and all of these 
if anyone's had a miscarriage before, it's not short, very long, it's very graphic and it's very tiring. And I ended up going into hospital on Australia Day. But they weren't particularly helpful. They just kind of went, yep, you've had a miscarriage. You can go home now. So that wasn't overly fun. Went home and I went straight back to work the next day. So I just think I kind of pushed it back and went, yeah, okay, well, this has happened. I was due to start my first round of IUI actually on the Tuesday when I went back to work which obviously wasn't going to happen now after the miscarriage so how did you tell jay about what was happening and you know what kind of communication did you have at that stage well before the deployment as we spoke before you need to be having those tough conversations and because we were trying and there was a chance of um, me getting pregnant before he left which we didn't think was going to happen but we had those discussions on what if someone died and who was it etc etc and then we also had the chat about what if i get pregnant how do you want to be told because people often go, okay, like if this happens, do you want to be told yes or no? But then they don't go into detail about if they do want to be told, how do they want to be told? And Jay didn't want an email. He didn't want a message, understandably. He said, wait until I'm in port and you need to tell me on a private phone call when I'm not in front of any anyone. So I said to him, can you call the Wi-Fi? They turn the Wi-Fi off when they're in port. So we didn't have that. He was trying to get his SIM card to work. That wasn't really working. So he was like texting and I was like, when can you call without giving anything away and we had had the discussion if I got pregnant would you want to be told yes in port the one thing that we didn't discuss and I don't know how we didn't discuss what if I had an early miscarriage so I just had to wing it and go I'm going to put two of these scenarios together and this is going to be the outcome and the only time that he was able to call was on a bus on the way to somewhere, I can't remember where, with some friends. And I said to him, can you call me another time? He said, this is the one and only time I can call you this port. And I just had to tell him and I said, I'm really sorry. I don't want to tell you right now while you're on a bus, but I'm having a miscarriage. And he's like, what? You're pregnant? And I said, well, I was. And I think he just said, yep, okay, no worries. Um, I'll talk to you later. And that was the extent of the phone call. And I mean, in the meantime, what were you feeling in the lead up to that phone call? Obviously, you're in Sydney and you have family and friends in that location, but it's not the same as having your partner and your husband with you. I was with my mum that entire weekend and I think she was in a little bit of disbelief herself because I had shown her the pregnancy test, which wasn't an overly bold line, but there was definitely a line. And she's like, oh, we'll just wait and see. And then things started happening that weren't normal and and I was like, this doesn't feel okay. And I started to feel really sick and really ill. And yeah, on the Monday, I just said to her, something's not right. Like, this isn't just, you know, spotting early pregnancy. She dropped me to the hospital. I said I wanted to go by myself because I think I was still in shock, clearly, and just didn't really want to acknowledge it. And yeah, went by myself. She had come pick me up afterwards and she dropped me home. She made me dinner. And then after she left, I think I just cried because I was so confused about what had happened. No one... They kind of you leave the fertility place or you leave your obstetrician and they say, okay, you just try. And then if you get pregnant and you have a positive test, come in. They don't tell you, okay, you might get a positive test and, you know, miscarriage is very common. 
and it could happen and this is the signs of what it is happening and if it is you should seek this help not saying it's going to happen but here's the information for your knowledge and no one gave that to me so I I didn't really know what to do and I think I really suppressed it especially going straight back to work the next day for a few days and just pretended it hadn't happened I was like I'm just gonna pretend this is my period instead and and move on and really took some time to get to terms with it because of course being on that incredible high of oh my gosh I've gotten pregnant naturally to then a short time later the low of okay what's going on like it's just this up and down a roller coaster within a short period of time yeah well we didn't know whether my tubes were open Um, we didn't know if my uterus was able to hold on to a pregnancy to even be able to get a positive test so it was all as sad as it was it was also kind of a relief I was like I can get pregnant like I didn't think this was going to happen we were already ready on the IUI IVF train we were like yep this is just what we're going to have to do that's no problems and I hadn't even thought for two seconds that I could naturally get pregnant so then I'm coming to terms with the fact that okay maybe this can work but this also just didn't work of course this is just at the very start of his deployment so it's not even like you can say okay in a month's time I can see him face to face and we can talk about this or we can have a proper conversation about it and and actually come to terms with what has just happened how did you come to terms with the fact that you, you weren't going to be able to see each other for such a long time to be able to process it together with all those tough conversations we've had I think mentally I have worked myself up to be able to be put through some really difficult times without him being present and without him being there to just hold my hand and be okay with it so I think to begin with I was like this is just one of those situations that I'm just going to have to do by myself and that's okay because that's his job and I'm okay with that but then I would have a random meltdown in the bathroom at work and I was like I don't know what's wrong and I don't know why I'm sad because I'm healthy I'm alive my husband's alive I get to talk to him but I just feel sad and yeah, I didn't know what was going on for a long time. And then I slowly, slowly started to talk to people and not necessarily normalize it because I hate that saying when people go, oh, it just wasn't meant to be. I'm like, well, no, that's not how you justify this situation. Like I'm hurt and I'm in pain and this isn't okay what happened, but I'm slowly becoming okay with what happened. And Jay, what were your first thoughts when you had that phone call from Courtney? Of course, then, you know, you're around other people, you're going for a port visit and, you know, you probably have these exciting few days planned ahead of you, but then you get a call and you're coming to terms with Courtney being pregnant and then also miscarrying. It's going to sound pretty bad, but honestly, at the time, I just, I didn't have the emotional capacity or the ability to take it in and I knew that straight away I honestly didn't deal with it or process it for a very long time because I was very focused on what was going on and I didn't have that extra room in my brain to allocate it to that at all without melting down completely and not being able to do my job I didn't want that to happen so I didn't talk about it with anyone on the ship I didn't talk about the chaplain or any of the older men I knew that had families. I just kind of kept it to myself because I wanted it to be something that Courtney and I deal with. And it wasn't until one of my youngest sailors, oh, he's not really young, he's, he's a bit older than me, but he came in one day and he, he was like, oh, sir, 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 have a look at this. And it was a photo of his newborn baby that he had, like his wife had had on the trip. They had left and she was like seven months pregnant. And they had said like, right, this trip means a lot for us. Like we're happy to have a baby while you're away. And him coming 
coming in and showing me that I was like wow holy cow that's insane he was like oh I hope like your baby making efforts are going all right and I was like actually she miscarried the other day and we just ended up having a big chat about it and it wasn't until after that that I slowly started to talk to more and more people about it I let it come out a bit more often in conversations and it got to the point where I could finally call Courtney and talk about it without becoming a complete puddle of emotions and not being able to function and what was that like Courtney for Jay to start opening up about it with you it was good and definitely well overdue but I think I quite understood where his headspace was this deployment was huge for him he'd been working towards it for a long time they'd just left they're all pumped up they're full of testosterone they you know gonna go serve the country and protect the country overseas in the Middle East I knew him not discussing it wasn't that he didn't care, but that he just didn't have the capacity to do it. So when you finally obviously came back together and you had your homecoming and you sort of settled back into being living back together and transitioning back to seeing each other, did you initially talk about it together or how did you sort of broach the subject with each other? I think we talked about it more while he was away than since he's come home. But I think what has been spoken about when he's here now has been a bit more meaningful. We would have small conversations about what our plans were or what we wanted to look forward to. So I don't think we've necessarily spoken directly about it, but he certainly acknowledged how he felt throughout it. And he definitely said, do you resent me? And I said, I I don't resent you at all. You didn't do anything wrong. You just were processing it how you needed to process it. Did that upset me? Yes. But that doesn't mean it was a bad thing the way that you reacted. You've just, you just learning how to deal with a situation you've never had to deal with before. So we both have to learn from that and it takes time, but we're getting there. And Jay, did you feel like there was a heaviness when you came back from your deployment? There was definitely like an, a, an emotional load that I hadn't been able to deal with until I got home. And I think it came out at the airport when I finally got to hardcore, to be honest. I cried like a baby. It was, it was an amazing and intense like rush of emotions that I didn't think I would ever feel at any point in my life. Like I didn't expect to be so emotional coming home to my wife. She's amazed me how emotionally strong she is. Like if she can deal with that while I'm away, we can conquer the world while I'm home. And so how long is Jay home for or how long have you got together before he goes away again? Like what's the plan now? He's home until we can never give a definite date because of the Navy, but I'd say late November, maybe early December. If all the stars in the heavens aligned, we may get January, but it's unlikely. So we say, I'd say four months we've got together. Yeah. And then I'm off to, to another ship boat city type thing to do the newest job. But four months on course without any duties and without going anywhere seems amazing to me. Like I haven't had this amount of being home in two and a half years and it's fantastic and it gives you a lot of perspective to the life that you used to live before going to sea so I'm looking forward to making the most of the time we have while I am home. And so how is the monthly cheese subscription going now that you have to share it with Jay? Look he's I think he's we're just about to receive the first one of him being home so (laughs) I'm not looking forward to sharing but he has already found me a wine subscription so we're getting upgrades now he's home which is great. Courtney's husband purchased her a monthly cheese subscription which is like the holy grail in my books like you know you can do no wrong if you buy your, your wife a monthly cheese subscription. Yeah it's called cheese therapy if anyone wants to reach out to them and and get their their 
their partners some because it's pretty pretty awesome where did you get that idea from jay you like you know star pupil i was looking online i i knew that gifts was an important thing and before we went away you have all these kind of pre-deployment leads and this really bubbly psychologist comes in in front of 180 sales and she's like you need to get your wife's gifts and she said small gifts regularly are better than buying her a big one-off gift when you get back and I just ended up googling kind of like monthly subscriptions that I could space out two weeks apart so it wouldn't be too long of an interval before something arrives that would remind Courtney of me I mean nothing says love like cheese well thank you so much for both coming on the podcast and opening up about all that is your life as a defense couple and all that you've experienced so far as a military family thanks for having us thank you for having us I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue you to do all the things i would so appreciate it if you could pop into apple podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review a comment about what you would like to hear more of or just some encouraging words if you want to suggest a guest i am always looking for new people to talk to you can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page i would love to hear from you 